0: and said, I'm sorry, my dear, there's no changing Jane's view on this. It seems the cloakroom shower with the flip seat was only the start. You know how it often is with eldest children, bossy from the off. It's just something of a surprise when one finds it directed at oneself. Geoffrey can't quite grasp it at all. Tell me again, whose idea is this? he keeps saying. Ursula allowed herself to smile and looked down at Rose's hand, placed gently on hers. She'd been working as Rose's and Geoffrey's housekeeper for more than ten years, the three of them moving around each other softly in this huge house like a small shoal of camouflaged fish. When she began to work for them, aged forty, surely her hands hadn't borne any resemblance to Rose's. Now... The veins which snaked beneath Rose's tissue-thin skin seemed to broaden out and continue into tributaries and offshoots which weaved across Ursula's own. Was she catching Rose up? Surely not. She balled up her fingers and restored the density of her flesh. It was not productive to think of what lay beneath. Neurons, tendons, the whiteness of bone, the deep pulse of the heart. Something broad and shifted deep within Ursula's ear. I'd hate you to think, Rose murmured, then stopped. Ursula looked at the pale tea rose pink of her employer's lips. Tea rose tinted rose. She noticed, not for the first time, the milky whiteness in her employer's eye. Her hand, now outstretched, shook with the faintest of tremors. Of course Rose and Geoffrey were increasingly frail. Of course their offspring would think that this house was too big for them. It made sense for them to move into the annex of Jane's home. She was a GP and could provide proper care as they became increasingly vulnerable. Look how slowly Geoffrey now came down the staircase. Ursula twisted her neck to watch his careful, painstaking progress. No more stairs to climb she could see that might turn out to be what he would call a blessed relief. "'It's not... it's not,' Rose began again, "'that you haven't cared for us, for the house, beautifully, so beautifully. "'I sometimes feel the timbers creak with your care. "'If I could, if there was somewhere else I could suggest you move on to, "'some way of making it seem less as if we were showing you the door, especially after all these years. Rose faltered again, and a tear spilled down her powdered cheek. It's fine. It's absolutely the right thing to do, Ursula said, reassuringly. There's no need to explain, to justify. She swept out her arm in an uncharacteristic arc. Caring for you, for all of this. She fell silent, nodding perhaps a little too vigorously, biting at the inside of her cheek. There was no danger of crying. Tears were not a risk. Later, kneeling, she folded clothing into a large oak chest in Rose's bedroom. She placed her hand on the broad, curlicued width of the drawer, dipped forward and inhaled the familiar scent of lilies of the valley. She stood, hung up one of Geoffrey's jackets and turned the key dexterously in the wardrobe door. She plumped the pillows on the bed and retied the thick plaited cord which held the curtains. Walking down the stairs, she allowed her fingers to sweep along the grooves of the banister. All the years of coaxing it to a soft gleam, the scent of lavender wax deep in her nails. When she'd first arrived, it was scuffed bare. It was the boys' fault, Rose said, the long-ago boys. Years of sliding down it, hurling trunks down it. Nobody had ever stayed long enough to restore it to its original glory. Until Ursula. Ursula, who had quietly, steadily, steadfastly cajoled the old house back. It will be sold, I think, Rose had said. That's the plan. Perhaps there will be a house full of children again. My sewing room reclaimed as the nursery.